Well, good morning, everybody. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I spoke about our vision as a church, which is to be a diverse church of thousands that surrounds and saturates High Wycombe with the love of Jesus. But I spoke with a focus on our desire to become more naturally supernatural, to see the power of God breaking out in us and through us. And I loved what Phil Wilthew said last week about the fire in the fireplace. We want more fire. And I mentioned how this fits within our established model of outreach, which we call bless, because one way that we can bless people, one way we can serve people is to serve them supernaturally. But of course, many of you watching today won't necessarily know what we mean by bless. So I'm gonna explain it again today. And this will also act as a good reminder for all of us of the what and the why behind bless. So over these next two weeks, as a lead up to the Finding God series, we're gonna look at the story in John chapter four about Jesus meeting the woman at the well. And this is exactly how we launched Bless a couple of years ago with this same story. This week, we're gonna focus on Jesus's mission. And then next week, we'll look at the same story to establish the motivation behind Jesus's mission. Now, I wonder how you would describe your mission in life. What is, what is your mission? What's the thing that drives you, the thing that gets you out of bed in the morning and motivates you? And, and there could be all sorts of responses to that question. It could be your job, you know, progressing in your career, achieving great things, or it could be to do with raising your children if you have them. That's what drives you. It could be about earning enough money to afford really great holidays and nice things, or it could be causes, good causes to do with social justice or the environment there are all sorts of things that drive people. But as followers of Jesus, it's really important to understand his mission because he set us an example to follow. So I'm gonna read through parts of this story in, in John chapter four and kind of give a running commentary on it to just try and establish what, what Jesus' mission looks like. So in the story, Jesus is traveling through Samaria and then we'll pick up the story in verse five where it says this, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. And by the way, this is a great picture of Jesus' humanity, because in the Gospel of John, there's a lot of focus on Jesus' divinity, you know, that, that he is God. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. The focus that Jesus is and has been eternally fully God. But here, we also see that he's fully human and he shares in the frailties of being human. He's tired, he's weary, he's, he's sitting down by this well. It was about noon and when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. Now, the fact that this happens at noon tells us something about this woman because she's not there with everybody else at the usual time for drawing water when the day is a bit cooler. Now, that indicates, and it's confirmed later in the story, that she is something of an outcast. She's, she's the object of village gossip. This is someone with a questionable moral reputation. So the story carries on in verse nine. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. 
Now, this is where we see the first element of Jesus's mission, and it is to reach people, to reach people who are far from God, ordinary people dealing with the stuff of life, even outcasts. Because in meeting this woman, Jesus is breaking all sorts of social conventions about men interacting with women, about Jews interacting with Samaritans. He doesn't care about any of that. He is there to reach her. He cares for her and he wants to reach her. And the way that he does it is very, very simple. Will you give me a drink? Will you give me a drink? He places enormous value on her by making himself vulnerable and inviting her to help him, to serve him. The door was opened simply through the honest expression of a basic human need and providing the opportunity to help. So the story continues like this. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now we know from elsewhere in scripture that Jesus is talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit. But the woman, of course, is still thinking very much at an earthly level. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. And knowing what we know about her, you can see why that would be a very attractive thought for her, to avoid the hell of having to come out in the heat of the day or the alternative of having to encounter other people at the normal time for drawing water. And then Jesus continues the conversation with her. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you have now is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Wow. I mean, you can see the supernatural element here. Jesus has just cut right to the heart of the issue for this woman with this supernatural word of knowledge. This is something he couldn't know unless it had been revealed to him by God through the Holy Spirit. This is the source of her shame. This is, this is why she is rejected by her community. And she must have felt pretty exposed at that moment. But Jesus isn't being harsh with her. It's a kindness because this free gift of living water can't be received without repentance. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. And then you're going to skip down to verse 25. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. So in this dialogue, there's been a complete role reversal. The woman has gone from the one being asked, asked for water by a thirsty traveler. So in effect, being asked to be a giver of life, she's gone from that to asking him for the water he offers and coming to the realization of who he is, that he is the giver of life. And that the giver of life has come in weakness. He's come in human frailty to share God's gift with her. 
And so it's in this section of the story that we see the second element of Jesus' mission, and it is to restore. He comes to reach people who are far from God, people whose lives have been messed up and corrupted by sin and insecurity and pride, which is really all of us. And then he comes to restore them, restore them to the kind of life that they were designed for, to give them this living water. You know, this, this woman's life had been shattered, yes, in part by her own poor choices, but also by people, by men who claimed to love her, but actually used her. But here is God himself coming as a man, loving her and restoring her, restoring her to life-giving relationship with him and also with others. Then leaving her water jar, this is in verse 28, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of the town and made their way towards him. And we, we can see the restoration happening in this woman before our eyes. Her whole, her whole purpose has changed. She leaves her water jar. That's what she had been doing. And it was really quite important what she was doing. That's what her immediate purpose was. She leaves her water jar because now she has a far greater purpose to go and tell everybody what has happened to her. And, and you notice what she says is not, it's not deeply theological. You know, come, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. She just points them towards Jesus. They come to him because of her witness. This, this social outcast who avoided everybody is suddenly seeking people out and they're listening to her because something has changed. And then the story concludes like this. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And then his disciples said to each other, could somebody have sent him some food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And then I'm going to go down to verse 39, which says, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. And so the third element of Jesus' mission becomes clear. And it is to reproduce this mission in the lives of others, to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples and so on, to change the world one life at a time. That is Jesus' mission, to reach, to restore, and to reproduce the mission in others. And that is also our mission. We just express it slightly differently. So reach ordinary people, ordinary people who are far from God, whether they are rich or poor, whether they have messy lives or ordered lives, whether they're outcasts or so-called respectable people. Restore. People are restored by Jesus through the Holy Spirit. They are changed by Jesus. And in order to reproduce the mission, this is about changing the world, one life at a time, making disciples who make disciples. We exist as a church, we exist as a people to see ordinary people changed by Jesus to change the world. That is Jesus' mission. 
that is the church's mission, the question is, is it your mission? Is that your mission? Because you know, it's not an optional extra for followers of Jesus. It is the explicit command of Jesus. In Matthew 28, he said, go and make disciples of all nations. And he doesn't just say that to the church as a general body of people. He says it to each individual follower, each individual disciple. We haven't just been saved from something. We've been saved for something. We've been saved for purpose. We've been saved to partner with Jesus in his mission. What a glorious thing that is. And what if that was the thing that got us out of bed in the morning? You know, I, I'm, I'm on mission with Jesus. I mean, what, what is he going to do today? Who's he going to bring across my path? I just can't wait to find out what he's going to do. What if that thought and that mission was what got us out of bed in the morning? What if that was what drove us? But, you know, I think we can often be more passionate and even evangelistic about some of those things I mentioned at the beginning our careers and our families, or good causes, social justice, politics, sport. And of course, there is nothing wrong with being passionate about most of those things. Good causes, social justice gets advanced by passionate people. There's nothing wrong with being passionate about some of these things, unless, unless we're more passionate about those things than we are about the gospel itself about the mission that God has given us. You know, we live in a time when we have many activists, lots of people are activists. Well, why not be activists for the gospel? Jesus said in the story, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. That's what sustains me, that's what drives me, that is what dominates my thinking. The bottom line for us is that we're surrounded by people who desperately, desperately need the salvation that God offers. And most of them don't even know it. And if we feel a sense of indifference to that, that, that people are perishing and heading for an eternity of separation from God, which is what hell is, well, then we need to ask God to break our hearts for the lost. And we need to ask God to see things through his eyes and with his burning, passionate love. Now, we don't have the power to save anyone, but we do have the responsibility to be witnesses to Jesus, like the woman at the well, so that they come and see him for themselves. Now, I guess that we would all agree with that, but most of us probably don't feel very good at it. And this is where bless comes in. So for the benefit of those who haven't heard this before, and as a good reminder for all of us, bless. Bless stands for some very, very simple missional practices that anyone can engage in. So B is begin with prayer. Begin with prayer. Write a list of people who are currently in your life who don't know Jesus. That could be friends, family, colleagues, neighbors, and pray about that. Ask God who should go on that list. Ask him to, to reveal people to you who you should write on your list. And then pray for them every day. Commit to pray for them every day. Pray for their blessing. Pray for their salvation. Pray for opportunities for you to bless them. And also pray asking God for divine appointments to, to put people across your path unexpectedly who you can then add to your blessed list. So begin with prayer. L is listen, listen. Focus more on listening to people before talking to them. And this is the one I forget the quickest because I really just wanna tell people, I wanna tell them the right answers. But the danger is of course, that I'm answering a question that they're not asking. 
When you listen, you can listen out for their struggles. You can listen out for the things they've got going on in their lives. Listen for signs of what God might be doing in their lives and listen to God for them. Listen to what God might wanna say to them through you, a bit like Jesus did in the story. E is eat together. Now, obviously this has been a bit more restricted in recent times, but we can still sit down over a meal and a coffee. And, and the, the point is that when you do that, when you sit down with people over a meal, over a coffee, relationships get built in a deeper way and it gives opportunities to listen. So let's be intentional about eating together, about sitting down together with those people on your list. The first S is serve. Because if you're praying for people and you're listening to them and you're eating with them, then they'll tell you how to love them. And opportunities to serve them in meaningful ways will open up. So be intentional about it. And this is also where we can serve people supernaturally by listening to God, as I said before, speaking his word into their lives, by praying for healing. And then the second S is story. Share your story. Because if you're doing the first four things, then the opportunity will arise to share your story of how your own life has been changed, how Jesus has changed your life. The question is, will you be ready to share your story? Have you thought through your story? You might not think that you have much of a story, but I tell you, you do. If, you, if you're a Christian, if you're in Christ, you have a story. And your story is the most powerful evangelistic tool that you have because nobody can deny your story. It doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be spectacular. It just has to be yours and it has to be real. So begin with prayer, listen, eat together, serve and share your story. And the key is to commit to doing at least one of those blessed missional practices every day. So make sure that you are praying every day for those on your list and then make sure you're being intentional about seeking opportunities for the other things as well. And then just see what God does. I mean, this has been a game changer for me and I know for many others in how, in how I think about evangelism. Because lots of people hear the word evangelism and kind of recoil from it and think, well, I don't, I'm not very good at that. I'm gonna leave that for others. And yet at the same time, you're aware that Jesus calls you to be a witness to him. So there's that tension that you live with. But you look at bless and you think, well, I can do that. And you're right, we can, all of us. We can all pray, we can all listen to others, we can all eat with others, we can all serve others, we can all share our stories. And that is evangelism. So I'm just gonna show you a video now that we showed a couple of years ago. Uh, and this is a video of some of our staff team uh, reflecting a couple of years ago, reflecting on having been pursuing bless over the course of the previous year. So let's watch that video now. So since doing bless the staff team, what I've found is that the structure has given me the tools to develop deeper friendships with people that don't know Jesus yet. And what's brilliant about it is it all felt very natural and easy. Bless has really encouraged me to step out of the boat. I've been promising to pray for people for years or saying I'll pray for a situation and never really followed through. But then when everybody's doing it, there's a higher level of accountability and it just has helped me in my prayer life. Because I work for a church, a lot of people that I hang out with are Christians. And so Bless made me think about who am I being intentional with about sharing who Jesus is. And so with that, I started Spanish classes, which means that I get to meet non-Christian friends and meet with them weekly. And I pray before the classes so that I can be listening into what God is wanting to do each time. 
When my son told me that he had made a new friend at school, it would have been easier just to arrange play dates or encourage them to be friends at school. But instead, because we had been doing Bless as a staff team, I intentionally arranged to get together with the mum as well. While the boys played, we chatted. I listened intentionally more than I talked. I found out about her story and a way I could serve her, and the eating part came really naturally because she loves to cook and I love to eat. I've heard a lot about her story and I'm looking forward to being able to tell her about mine. So I've got a sales background and a good friend of mine also does. He's recently been made redundant and lost his job. And he's been on my bless list, so I've been able to pray for him and his situation. And I'd always been scared about talking about the Lord with him previously. But recently I've told him, I'm praying for you and I'm praying for your situation. I'm praying for the Lord's best for your life. And the reaction has been completely different to what I expected. He's been so grateful and warm and wanting to speak to me more. I think it's changed how I treat others. Uh, the instinct now is just to bless people. I've had a very close relative come to faith in Jesus. I can't believe the change, but basically what I did was I blessed them and it works. And you know, as a staff team, we are still asking the question every week, every Tuesday morning, who have you blessed this week? Because that keeps us accountable. It keeps bless at the forefront of your mind. It means that you're involving others in the journey and it's a chance to share anything that has happened and celebrate that together. And you know, every week, whenever we ask that question, every week, there's at least one story and usually more from someone on the staff team. And, and it might be a really big, exciting story, you know, a, a really exciting conversation that, that somebody's had or that, that you got to pray with someone or this person came to church or tuned in online or even this person gave their life to Jesus. Or it might be what seems like a, a very small thing. Like, you know, I contacted this person on my list and we've arranged to go for coffee. But that's great, you know, that is a great blessed story because it's about being intentional. And we're trying to encourage all of our small groups to continue asking that question, who have you blessed this week? Because we're in this for the long haul. You know, you will notice, if you start doing this, you will notice immediate things happen. As soon as you start praying, you will notice immediately things will start happening. But it's also being in this for the long haul. Walking alongside people through a whole lifetime and continuing to pray for them for as long as it takes. But you know, on a personal level, this, pursuing bless, has opened doors for me with people in my life that haven't been open before in terms of conversations, uh, inviting people to various things. And it's like my antenna is up because I'm thinking of bless. So I keep my bless list in, in here, in my black book, my journal. And as I look at my list, it's a changing thing. It doesn't stay still. It's not a static thing. There are some names that have been on there for, for three or four years. And there are others which have been added very recently. So for example, somebody who, who just texted me to let me know that they've been watching some of our online services. Um, and so I thought, well, I'm gonna pray for her because she's my friend, she lives far away, but I'm gonna pray for her because there's a, a door that's opening there. There's another one here uh, who I added just this week, um, one of our neighbors who I had the opportunity to help out in a very small way recently, very small way, but he was so appreciative. And I just thought, well, maybe that's a door that's opening. So I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna pray for, for, for those neighbors. Now, will anything come of that? I don't know, but that's not really my job. My job is to be a witness. It's God's job to save people. One of the people on my list is very much part of the church now. And you know, I'm not trying to claim any credit for that. All the glory goes to God. I'm just trying to say that this works. It does work. 
And just think of the potential. You know that the kingdom of God advances one life at a time, but one life at a time can so easily turn into multiplication if we all grab hold of this. Because if we all in the church, if we all have somewhere between five and 10 people on our blessed list, and some clearly will have more than that, but let's say five to 10 people across the church, that represents somewhere around 5,000 people who are being prayed for, who are intentionally being blessed. But then just think that each one of those 5,000 people represents another five to 10 people. If we're about making disciples who make disciples, that is exponential reach because by reaching one person, you are potentially reaching tens or even hundreds of other people with the life-giving good news of Jesus. We have been blessed to be a blessing. And you know, we find ourselves right now at a unique moment in our history as a church, as, as all churches do at the moment, where, where we haven't been able to gather physically. But you know something? That hasn't stopped new people connecting with us as we've gone out online. And that is mainly through invitation because it's actually never been easier to invite people to try church. And if you've been pursuing blessed for a couple of years, you will have people to invite. So we wanna take advantage of this moment. You know, we, we wanna to meet together at a church. We, we don't wanna be doing everything online, but let's take advantage of the moment that we have with our Finding God series, which starts on the 4th of October. This series is aimed at those people who are on your blessed list. It is aimed at them. The key principle of the series is that the longings that every human being experiences, longings for love and for purpose, uh, for meaning in life, that those longings can actually only be fulfilled in a relationship with God. And it's based on the premise that the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15 is really everyone's story. And we're just all at different stages of that journey. And a key element of the series is a prayer challenge, a prayer challenge that we're given in week one on the 4th of October to commit to pray very, very simply, a very simple prayer with the help of a prayer guide to commit to pray for 30 days as if God is real and see what he does. Because this is a challenge where you have nothing to lose, but potentially there is everything to gain. And so there's a challenge in this for us as well. Who are you gonna invite? Who are you gonna to invite to take the challenge and to be part of that Finding God series? It might be the thing that changes somebody's life. The woman at the well encountered Jesus and then she immediately became a witness, pointing people to him. She immediately got caught up in Jesus' mission to reach, to restore, and to reproduce that mission in others. Ordinary people changed by Jesus to change the world. How about you? What about you? We've been doing Bless as a church for a couple of years now. And I know many of you are still faithfully pursuing it. So hear the stories. But of course, there'll be others who started, but it's kind of faded away. It's kind of gone into the background for you. Well, listen, it's time to pick it up again. Time to pick it up again or start for the first time if you've never had a blessed list. Start praying every day for those people in your life. Be intentional about listening and eating together and serving and sharing your story and just see what God does. Point people to him, be a witness to him. That is what we are called to do. That is our mission. So church, let's get on that mission together and start today. Amen. Amen.